Hi, and welcome to Season 2 of Big Sound Small Town, the podcast that spotlights the talented and diverse musicians in small towns and communities. This season, we're branching out to include the community of people who make it possible for musicians to be able to perform their music. The producers, the recording engineers, the venue owners, and many others. And as always, the small town musicians. Remember, small town doesn't mean small talent. Hear their stories. You just heard Stop Stopping Me From Loving You. Uh, Lance co-wrote this song with Kevin Dedman uh, for the Dirty Grass Soul album, New Day of Work. And just in case you're wondering, that is Kevin singing a duet with Summer Keever. Today on Big Sound Small Town, we're in the Earl Scruggs Center. And my guest is Dirty Grass Souls bass player, Mr. Lance Watson. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Lance. Thanks for having me, man. Man, I tell you what now, I'm sitting here with uh, local royalty at the moment. <laughs> no way. <laughs> uh, uh, so where do you think we should start this journey? Oh, man. I don't know. Well, uh, let's, let's take it back to to the very beginning. All right. Did you, did you grow up in a... Musical family, I mean, uh, about 50 50. My dad 
he could whistle really good to country songs. That's about all, <laughs> <laughs> That's about all it was. Uh, between that and, and old Elvis. But um, I guess the rest of my family, uh, just we're bigger families from growing up kind of in the Mormon background. Yeah. There was a lot of, you know, uh, tabernacle. Sure, yeah. Family style stuff around. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, like I said about 50 50. Now, now, when did you decide that uh, you were going to be a musician? Oh, I, I know the moment. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's, that's, that's <laughs> the, the moment. Stuff, man. Me and my brother were watching, uh, were watching MTV come on the air. And the first song was Video Killed Radio Star. Yeah. And I was like, this is kind of crazy. And then the second or third video was Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced? Where the <laughs> film comes off the reel. Yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah. All the clips. Oh, yeah. And when I saw Jimi Hendrix, I was like, wow. Jimi Hendrix's life-changing experience for <laughs> a lot of people. I mean, I mean, because just everything from hearing to visual of him and the power he had. Yeah. You know, just, uh, I was just blown away. I've never <laughs> yeah. seen anything like that before, and I've still tried to emulate that today, I guess. So, so, so did you decide, I mean, What'd you do then? Start looking for a way to play something? Oh, yeah, it's like I'm beating around on everything and trying to play. And then my brother actually got an old 70s Yamaha acoustic guitar for Christmas one year. And he just never really played it much. And so finally I was in his room one day when he was gone because I wasn't allowed to touch his stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I was in I was picking around trying to figure out, uh, I think it was... Uh, what is it, Heartbreak Hotel, yeah. I think, or yeah. Elvis song, just bling, bling, just a little thing yeah. on the guitar. And he come in there and he's like, man, you'll never learn how to play guitar. I never did. And I was like, I'll show him. And I think just by him saying that. It was enough of a spark to drive. enough to keep me going. Because if he would have said that, I probably would have done what he did. <laughs> I would have just sat it down and it's went outside and climbed that's, that's strange, too, yeah. because it could have changed your whole life. Yeah, exactly. And by him saying that, made me and I you know, started out on the acoustic and learned chords and learned some things and you know I always had rhythm it was the one thing I right. didn't have to work on it was just it embedded in me and it wasn't until high school where I picked up my friend had a, a, a bass and I went and just picked it up in his I think he was in college then and we were going to visit him and I went to his dorm and I was like oh, and I picked his bass up as soon as I picked up, sat down, and hit a few notes, I knew where everything was, and everything that was in my head that I've been trying to get out on the guitar, but it was just, you know, it was just different. I was able to get on the bass. That's cool. It was just there. It was my my, my language was able to be heard. That, that's great. So now we got a bass guitar. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I'm deciding I'm a bass player. So did you go buy your bass guitar? Uh, I was looking around for one, and one of my buddies that was just one of those guys that that tinkers with everything. Yeah. He's, he was a bigger Harley guy, but he was still in high school. But he was somebody that was my age, but you looked up to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had to work on Harleys. Oh, yeah. He had guitars and basses and, you know, just everything. He had an old PVT-40. Yeah. And I actually, I still got it at home now. I played one too. It's too heavy to move. It is. I hated that thing. <laughs> I know. So I got that, and, and that was probably my first bass. And that's, that's probably one of the reasons I still got it. And that's how I found out that 
the more you play to a pickup, the more it it spreads because my friend at a gig or somebody we were playing a gig with kicked my toggle switch and broke it <laughs> on that thing in the early, you know, mid nineties and I played just a front pickup for I don't know, like three or four years yeah. and finally got it fixed and when I did the, the back pickup was just so much weaker. Yeah. The oh, yeah. bridge than the neck pickup, so I realized the more you played them with the <laughs> yeah, the better they get. <laughs> And I guess you've got a amp to go with that thing too. Yeah. Well, then I was just playing. I actually, <laughs> my buddy had one of those. Hey, man, somebody traded me this, that, and I actually didn't know any better. And I had a, a full. Uh, he ended up I, it's like a hundred dollars or something. Got a like seventies Fender four twelve cabinet. Yeah. And I didn't know ohms then. This was sixteen ohms. Oh, you know? yeah. And I was played through. It was like one of those dull music man tube heads yeah, yeah, and I didn't know any better it was like all guitar and I'm plugging my bass and we're just rocking out and I had it cranked up we were playing in Sky's garage one day all of a sudden it started smoking and I was like what's the deal and turn around and there it went and it went back on fire oh I've done that yeah. Yeah. so I ended up I mean and then you know didn't have any money so I ended up just getting one of those um, PV uh, Bop boards yeah. whatever yeah. and played that for a while Man, it went till I got something else. I realized there's no tone. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's one of those things you learn as you go along. I think yeah, it's like, yeah. oh yeah. So, all right. So, so are we getting ourselves in a band at this point? Yeah, and that's when it. Uh, back then, uh, I started playing with a drummer that had moved to North. I grew up in Hartsville, South Carolina, and a guy I knew for years had moved up here and played drums and got in a band and did talent shows and all and then moved back to Hartsville and me and him started playing and I was just me and him had a connection where I really didn't know much of what I was doing just besides connecting with what I could hear and I knew some chords from playing guitar so right. I knew but I wasn't big on scales or anything yet and uh, me and him could just sit there in a room and not look at each other like boop just in that pocket yeah we could stop and he's like, man, I got this guitarist I've played one of all these talent shows with. And that, uh, well, the drummer was Robbie Copeland. Okay. Know? So I want to make sure I get some names right. here. And um, he's like, I know this guitarist, Mike Bacon, and he's really good. He went to school at Segovia, classical and rocks. And he, you know, and he shows up in this little VW Bug. <laughs> this was probably 93 or something, somewhere around then. So there's been a little bug, grabs his old guitar, like a 59 Epiphone or something, just thin body, little ones, a little body, man, I think sounded good. And just, he had a, a music man, and we got together and started jamming and we like, man, we got something. I mean, cause we just uh, had some songs, Dreams of the Envious, just his old, just none of us could really sing that good, but just, we just failed it. When you feel it, yeah, you know. You know there, there's magic there, no doubt. Yeah, so we... So how did you wind up here? Through Mike Bacon. His parents had a two-story cabin with 260 acres in Golden Valley, which was empty at the time. Because yeah. Because his parents lived in Atlanta, so we were like... Oh, it was Bacon. empty, so yeah. Oh. It was an in-ground swimming pool oh, and man. everything else. So we... Phew, we all, well, actually, I moved up there. Let's see how it went down. I remember... We all went there, the first time we moved, we all moved in together, boom, and had a 
I had a ball, wrote 60 songs, so jammed all night outside. All in brother's house. Big house. <laughs> yeah, had a ball. And then moved to Atlanta and on and on. The second, but then we you know, split up because we weren't sure and then got back together. And the second time we moved up there in like 99 or 98, I was able to quit my job first. So I moved up there and then everyone slowly moved up afterwards. afterwards. So I was up there in this house down the, you know, Duncan Creek Road, Suttles Road, which is about a five, six mile gravel road, you know, so you can hear people coming. Oh yeah, everything. oh yeah. So when they finally moved up, I was like, man, I gotta learn how to wear clothes again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when nobody lived there, oh, I mean, you know, yeah. then they was at hardly any, even the internet, really, you know, it was slow, oh, so yeah. phone never rang, we didn't have cell phones, you still don't get service up there. That's so. true, you don't much. <laughs> oh, so we just, yeah, that's how I ended up here. I just stayed up here. I just loved the area and it felt like my grandparents are from, you know, Tennessee and the mountains it and just all. just felt so natural. It, it, yeah, it felt at home. And, yeah. Yeah. So I, my soul just felt at ease in the mountains. So I enjoyed staying here. So, so y'all moved to Atlanta during that time after living up there? Oh, yeah. We moved to Talk about the Atlanta years. <laughs> So actually, it wasn't really that long. We, we moved up there thinking, oh man, yeah, we're gonna make it. And, you know, when you're young, you have your eye on the prize. You think, man, if I can just make it to the top of that mountain, we've got it made. So we moved to Atlanta, rented a studio that was just as much as an apartment for a 10 by 30 little area, the soundproof room to practice in. And you didn't make any money because nobody paid anything. So we were playing around and our, our big claim to fame <laughs> that I was talking to you about yeah, earlier yeah. was, was um, we went to Masquerade and saw Dread Zeppelin and man, that was just a, a show. And Masquerade was a three-story bar that um, downstairs was hell and there was, you know, disco and all that music. Middle story was purgatory and it was pool tables and just a bar and just whatever you wanted to play on radio and upstairs was heaven, heaven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was rock and roll and the <laughs> stage and that's you know black crows I right. they got signed there but they got noticed there right. I heard stories they did but so many people have played there and it's just an old mill so we saw them and we gave them a demo that we had just cut all proud of it and uh and uh, the guy told us the booking the uh, guy was like man if we like you it's gonna be you know, six, eight months, maybe even a year before we can get you in here. We're all slam booked. And we're like, all right, man, you know, we know how it is. Just, you know, be, thanks for the opportunity. So that was on Friday. And then Saturday, Blind Melon Shannon, the lead singer for Blind Melon, passed or OD passed away. Right. And um, they were supposed to headline that following Wednesday. So they called us Monday to fill that spot. And we was <laughs> like, what? I know way, man. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> totally, yes. So we um, were all psyched about it. We we get there and win a great room. We're just like looking around, going, "Man, all the cool people has been back here." You know? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, it smells like don't yeah. up in regret. Yeah, oh yes. yeah, yeah. Perfect. Oh, that's great, man. <laughs> so um, we end up uh, go out there and we jam and everything. We were the last band. And we get done and they have this elevator that you know you, it takes you straight down to the parking lot. So we loaded all our stuff, took it down there, put it in a old. VW van, walk back up the stairs all proud, like, you know, man, I wonder we get paid for doing this. We headlined, we took my mail spot. We go up there and the door's locked. Oh. And you paid nothing. 
That's just how it was in the 90s. I mean, if they didn't, people didn't say your name when they handed the money over, yeah. you didn't get it. So that's just the way it was. <laughs> that was our big moment. That's when I realized, you know, maybe making it isn't just about, you know, yeah. who you open up for, who you play for. It's about enjoying the music because we had a ball playing. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's what I, even now, I mean, if we would have got paid, I wouldn't have the money now. But yeah, I have well, yeah. And, story. yeah. And, and, and stories are, you can't buy stories, you have to live stories. Oh, yeah. 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 My wife always tells me that I, I put too much color in my stories, but I was like, I have, you have to paint the picture oh. and you have to see it. Or you do. The, or, the, the fun of the story is in the details. Well, and I, I have an analogy about that too. Yeah. Mine is a hamburger. You know, a story is like a hamburger. Yeah. If it's just a piece of meat and two pieces of bread, pretty tasty deal. It's all the stuff you add to it that's what yeah. makes, oh, it, that makes it a good man, story. And that's why it's the same way with the story, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. How you embellish yeah, it. Exactly. And she's like, you use your hands a lot. I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you can't paint a picture without them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. So that's, that's how we went. We run our course for a while and had a great time, and we're brothers, and we still uh, all talk, and, and we'd like to try to get back together, but we wrote such complicated songs, because <laughs> we're like, we don't, you know, then our uh, Mike was like, we don't want anybody to cover our songs. We want, we want it to be so difficult that nobody, oh, yeah, nobody else can we do it. like a power trio kind of thing. And I was like, cool, man, yeah, man. So we, we did that, and then, now I'm like, you know, it's actually an honor if you hear someone doing this. Oh, song. yeah, yeah, yeah. Be yeah, yeah. To where someone Somebody wants like, to cover. Do that. We can do that song. <laughs> we can't do that song. That's too hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we can't. But the problem is now, if we get back together, we can't do it anymore. <laughs> but they were great then. Yeah. Even listening to them now, I'm like, man, I don't, can't hardly remember how we did any of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was a good time, man. It was a good learning time for me because. Mike was really good. He would tell me, he's like, hey man, here you need learning skills, learning skills, learn this, learn that. So he would always show me some scales, stuff to work with, exercises. And even though we were playing all day long or all night long and every day at the farm, which is the place, we, right. the house we live in, that's what we call it. Um, when I'd lay down, go into my room to go to sleep, I'd sit there and I'd go over the scales. I'd go over scales till my hands hurt, my hands started cramping, I'd shake it off and do it again. Start slow, you know, that that's, was my, just, that was where I cut sure. my teeth. And, and people don't I, see that. You know, yeah. people people see you on stage and it's like, they just think it happens. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, they don't see you there doing it. About 25 years to, yeah, exactly. and, I, and, and I'm still learning. I'm not saying I'm good at all. And like I tell people, I'm a magician, not a musician. That's good. Because I make, I move around the slide of hand. I make you think. <laughs> I'm doing more than I'm what do, I am. Yeah, you're like, man, well, it, he's great. <laughs> you know, it's high, I mean, it's a high energy thing that yeah. you bring. Yeah. Well, is it, did you always have that high energy back I to always, me? I don't know what it is, but I always, uh, just once we hit that first note, it's like, I don't know, something just. Comes over you. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, I just. I gotta make every show that I play better than the last show. I got, I don't know what it is, I gotta put 150%. It's just like, it, it's like I sit back and let whatever happens just take over and just go. And I'm not, I'm not, possessed by music. I'm, I'm not the best musician by far, not the best bass player. If you sit down and play bass, you probably 
better be. But, no, I don't you know, think so. I, I, but I just enjoy what I do, and I want to. I just something about I've always loved like the early Grand Funk Railroad yeah, stuff. Yeah, great stuff. Something about Mel Sacher, or however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. There's different ways people do it, but just something about just all that raw power, just something you just just summons. Yeah, well, that's those trio things. I yeah, mean, I mean, that's that was from the early days when I played trio. Just yeah. all that because you have to play so much, and, I, and so now with all the other people in the band, since I don't have to play every hole, every, yeah, exactly, that gives me yeah. room to dance. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I guess. That's what my energy goes since I don't. Yeah, that keeps me from overplaying. It does. It, it gives you room for everybody else to have their yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah. Like me dancing keeps me from overplaying the space. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> I, I never thought of it that way, but it's kind of how it is because otherwise I'd, use be, that, man, next time. I'd be stepping all over everybody's feet. <laughs> next time Art tells me I'm a bass holder, he's a bass player, Art Mooney, I'm going to say, hey, man. You know, I'm leaving hole and here I am, I dance, so I don't have to, you know, I, I could play, exactly. I could do better, but man. Yeah, Art's way better bass player, but I'm not having, I'm not a step or two on Yeah, that. yeah, he can't dance. <laughs> yeah. no, but he is, oh man, he is. And he's not I'm much of a always, hardy singer. I love you, Art, but you know, we're talking yeah. about you. Oh yeah, I've always admired Art. Art's yeah, a fine bass player. Yeah. Back in the dancing hobo days. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, think about being the bass player that re replaced him in that. That would be me, <laughs> which he's never really let me live that down. You know, I can't believe they stooped that low. Oh, no. Yeah, but I can play other instruments and sing harmony. Yeah. You can't, brother. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And I can dance better than you, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, what, what gets me back around to playing with, uh, with Kevin and all now is what I've been through is the perfect time in my life to be where I'm at playing. Because if I were to try to just jump right into playing with Dirty Grass Soul after Mike and them. Coming from the tree. The Ravens Ferry was right. bad. Oh, I, I wonder what the name was. Yeah. You didn't bring that oh, up. Yeah, the Ravens Ferry. Okay. The name probably that might have a lot to do with that. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. I'm not going there, man. Once we went, once we started, we just thought, man, we can't change the name now. You know, we're too far in. Which then, I mean, without any kind of internet or anything, and it's just, you know, you had to call your friends, but hey, we're playing here. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> and they had to yeah, yeah. answer at their house because they had to leave, you know, you know how it is. But yeah, um, I do. anyway, after that, I couldn't see myself playing drums with anyone else and Rob because we were so in sync. Right. So I had, I had an old man live at the house. Somebody gave me one, you know, just nothing really. I had some friends come over because I'd moved out of the farm and lived in Boston in the back house from where I am now. Okay. Um, and I had some friends come over and Wes, uh, Wes Hole and uh, Tracy Snow come over and Wes was like, yeah, I heard you got a mandolin, man. You mind if I see it? And I was like, yeah, well, it's a little hard to tune. Let me tune it up. And he, he just grabbed one of my guitars, the acoustic, started picking. I was like, well, let me tune it up. So I tuned up the mandolin and never handed it over. We started just, just playing the just playing around. And then then we just kept playing around. And yeah. I started learning yeah. fiddle tunes. And you know, I realized, I mean, I'm not a really good soloist, but like I mentioned, I got that rhythm. Chop, yeah. So man, I could just chop, I could chop the crap out of it. Yeah. That, then I ended up getting an old Kentucky and that thing just had a bark to it. Right. Chomp, chomp. So I mean, I I had that, and I could, you know, I could play some Bill Road, you know, oh, yeah. some some licks. 
I'm not a soloist, like I said, so if you hand it over to me, I'm just going to noodle and play the scales as fast as I can. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Ooh, I do the same. Yeah. You know, so, um, but playing that for a while, I couldn't imagine playing bass in a bluegrass band. Just that one four five TikTok. Oh yes, so, you know, Trust coming me, from is, yes, I'm coming from playing jazz, rock, and everything else we were doing. That's like, you know, yeah, it's, it is. It's like I mean, this, that's, your world stops. Yeah, it does. I mean, so, uh, but I learned how you know coming from a whole different acoustic angle and playing the mandolin that way. When I started playing, you know. Um, wanted to crank the, the amp back up, right no, yeah. out, oh, yeah. you know, get them pull the old energy back out. I had a little better appreciation. Were you for, were you an energetic mandolin player? Did you dance when you played mandolin? Yeah, I, I swayed my hips a little bit. I'd say <laughs> I don't know. I had, I had people say so. I don't really don't know what I do until someone says something. Right. Because, I mean, back then, nobody was really filming you. Right. So I... I so you didn't like, see... I, moved, you I, didn't I figured I'd move like everybody else does, you know? Yeah. So I saw the film. <laughs> I'm back with Lance Watson, and you know what? At this point in his life, he's a mandolin player. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just a guy playing mandolin. I don't even call myself that. But uh, I had a good time. It, then we was in a band with, um, it was Dirty Bird Special. And that was with uh, Harold Terry on banjo, which is a great banjo player. And uh, Lee Buff was playing stand-up bass. He passed away. In a motorcycle accident oh, uh, a few months ago. Oh, and um, we had then uh, Brian Flynn on guitar and singing, and Wes Hole on guitar, and it's kind of switched a little bit. We got Travis Denton on on uh, guitar and singing some, but it was just a straight bluegrass band, and and I enjoyed that because um, it was. Something like I said, I wouldn't plan. I wouldn't have been able to play bass then doing it. But the mandolin was busy enough to where it was kind of coming from the same angle right. as my bass. And from there, it got me to like, you know, playing now with me and Kevin and, and all the guys. And I might as well mention all the guys. Yeah, you should. Um, and Jared Miller on drums, which is I me and him flow together real nicely. He's my he's my boy. And, and uh, of course, Chris. Deadman on banjo, Kevin's old brother, and Glenn Miller on pedal steel, and now we got the old, old midget uh, Wookie. Yeah, yeah, kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Smith, he, he's a great guy, man. He is. Uh, you got to love him. He's hearts bigger and taller than he is. You know, he's a he's a good and great guitarist and brings a different angle, which we all do. We all have our yeah. different, and that's what makes things good is when you put a bunch of different spices in the pot. It does. But we have a little more of that bluegrass. I wouldn't say we're bluegrass at all. But no. we have like a... Well, you got a banjo. Yeah, we have a banjo and fiddle some. Right, got a fiddle. And, but we kind of uh, take some of that one four five and pep it up a lot on some songs. I mean, right. we have different stuff, of course. And, but uh, it playing the mandolin before had got me to respect and find alleyways right. and little runs that the, maybe the mandolin would do in a 145 setting right. that I could throw 
with the bass and get it to where some of the songs you might not realize are just one four five right. because the bass it just tick the whole time. Yeah. You know, it's kind yeah. of flowing around. Right. That's, and 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 that's what playing music's about is, is every experience you have taking it to the next taking a little I mean, something yeah, from it yeah. I mean I'd probably be 10 times better if I just sat around and got to practice every day but it's taken me 25 years or more playing out and I mean I, I still try to play every day yeah. every day I can once the kids go to bed I'll sit there and, you know went from four string and I played the six string bass for four or five years and then went back started feeling uh, they'll Precision bass, and we yeah. got one and started playing that again. You know, um, so it's it's always a progress. And I think a musician that's not looking to expand what they do is wasting their time. Yeah, yeah exactly. And one of the things that uh, Derek McCoy, you know, Derek, yeah. he said the best thing he took away from going to school with music was they taught him how to practice. The fact that if, if you're playing something you're familiar with. You're going nowhere. It's, yep. it's you got to stretch it. You yep. got to you got to find something that you can't play. Yeah, and learn to play. Well, that's uh, what, what John Hartford said. That uh, I love John a, Hartford. You know, there's a, everybody can sit around and play. You know, all the old traditional songs. It's, it's the ones that find different ways to play it or play something new and stretch it. That that that's the real musicians. That's funny you brought that up. I'm a fiddle player, and John Hartford has been one of my favorites mm. and of all the people when you're learning you're picking stuff up, his is totally different than, than standard fiddle player yeah oh, yes. it's got a little different thing that is just it doesn't fit in the traditional yeah. fiddle playing stuff yeah. you know yeah that's what that's why nobody covers it too much <laughs> yeah, exactly he's got his own and and he plays like he and that's what you really got to do. When do you like him? He dances too. <laughs> oh yeah, when he can play. Oh yeah, man. Man, I've got the first uh, first Merle Fest on video, and he's sitting there. He's got the stage mic right. with, with uh, effects on, to where he's tuning. He's going dong 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 dong. Oh yeah, yeah. That's and then he finds that he all of a sudden just starts tearing it up. I'm like, I saw him in Telluride, took his fiddle, jumps off the stage. And he does kind of like the Pied Piper. He's fiddling. He's got a snake line going. Everybody's behind him dancing. Yeah. And just, I mean, that's an entertainer there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't listen after. That's what. That's one of the things I like. Um, and I, and I, I'm like I told you before, I'm not a bragger because there's there's nothing to brag about. Everybody's got things they're great at, mm -hmm. things they're not good at, things. That yeah, I have more bad things than I do good. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what, how it is. But. Uh, uh, like when we we played that the, the crew the country cruise yeah so, yeah yeah, yeah. y'all went on the cruise oh, yeah I, I just have to bring that up because to me that's like I mean making it making it to me is just being happy that's what I find out we talked about earlier making it musically well once you start to get a little in the ninety or earlier on you're always like man we gotta Bring right. the top of that mountain, and if we get there, all our problems are solved, and life will be great, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. And what is what is that really about? You know, if I would have made it, I'd probably be dead. Now. Yeah, I mean, I do you understand know, that. Yeah, totally. Because I mean, I excesses. Yeah, excesses of fame. Yeah, exactly. So I'm grateful that we weren't. And now I, people say, you know, man, y'all are climbing, you're making. I'm like, I'm happy. Right now, right where I'm at today, beautiful family, and 
be able to play music and have so much fun with it and pay the bills with it. That's all that matters. And pay the bills with it. That's the, that's, that's the key. That's all I ask for. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice if somebody packed up our stuff. Sure. Oh, play. yeah. Road, 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 road crew. Yeah. But it's like all of a sudden you reach this point. Which, you guys don't have roadies. We, we have a lot of we, we have drunk people want to help us yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a extent of it. Yeah. But I mean, they're all great people. But it's almost like when you get enlightened. Beforehand, you're busy, you think you're. You're, you know, you're feeding the machine. Everything's got to happen. You're going along, and you're just thinking, you know, everything's. And then, I, you know, if you were from the Buddhist angle, which I've, I've read a lot about that, but you know, I, I'm definitely a religious person. Um, is that moment that you would become enlightened, where you realize that living in the now and taking a breath and enjoying the moment you're at right now mm. is the present. You know, I think always the cliche of And it's the, the best presence. part of living, really. Yeah, I mean, if you're living in the future, you're anxious. If you're living in the past, you're depressed. But living right now, you should be at peace with the present. Because sure. you can't change it. You can pre prepare for the future, but it's really, you can't. Well, I do understand that because... You know, I think that um, there's stuff in the future that, that you're looking forward to. Yes. Yeah. But if you live your life, look just for look for when that time comes. If Sam vacation, you got a vacation coming. If you're living for that moment, you're missing right now. Yeah, because once you get to that moment, your mindset's already, uh, you know, looking forward to, the, to yeah. where you can enjoy your your time then because you're still in that mode yeah. of what's next. Exactly, so, the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I, that's what I was saying about that. Like, I said something about cruise. It's just that we, when we're on there, I realized, you know, things like that, to me is, you know, getting a vacation, like, you know, but the difference between, like, there was way better musicians on there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, there's, there was some Nashville pickers that were just amazing. But a lot of them, like I was watching for sound check, because I'm all checking everybody out. Because right. I mean, there's music and I'm sure. And you know, there was a lot of them. I mean, everybody was great. The bands were amazing. They were, you know, but some of them, like the some of the acts that were like named after the singer or whatever, just his band. Right. You'd see the bass player with the tablet, like learning the songs during right. sound check. The drummer would have a mic stand up, which they. They're way better musicians than me if they can make that sound good. But they're they're yeah, playing they're, to that song right there. They're, and they're hired guns. Exactly. And I knew right then, I was like, look, we might not be as good pickers as them, but we got chemistry. And we know we, we've got each other, you know, we just do what we do. We've got us here. And I realized that in the other bands, like I said, they're all great. We had a blast. And I, every one of those guys were nice as they could be. You know, we have a ball, and we're do we get the good the guy nope. about it back. So oh, that's we're good. With Charlie Daniels is coming here. Oh, um, but um, they were uh, they were Nashville pickers playing country music, right? And we were country boys playing music, playing music. Yeah, and I guess yeah. that. I guess that, that is the, the difference. In that, people really responded to it. Way, I was blown away because I was, you know, I'm looking at these other guys like you always do. Well, you look at somebody on stage, like, man, those guys are way better than us. Oh yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah, with no me. Who it is. yeah. 
Um, and then to hear them come to us afterwards and compliment us was just like, well, well that's always you know? right, yeah. And uh, the feedback and the friendships we've the, made. The, the camaraderie yeah. of the whole deal, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just been uh, outstanding. <laughs> and it was crazy because we had become good. Uh, there was bands from Louisiana, Baton Rouge and all, that were really good. So we're sitting around one of the last nights, me and Kevin there, but one of the inside little bars inside the gym, and the bass player and drummer comes in there and we're all talking. And I realized when I looked and saw people, a few people walk back, because most people were from like Minnesota, and Canada, and Arizona, and uh, Oregon, and just all over. Right. It surprised me how I many people from everywhere that came to this. Um, they were walking by and kind of like, trying to figure out us talking to each other. But our country accent. Oh yeah, their, oh yeah. Their, their country accent, their, you know, their Louisiana yeah, accent, not, yeah, we yeah. can understand each other. Exactly. Because yes. we're all just, you know, they're all like, yeah, back in the back, we oh, go yeah. back down over there. And, and at the same time, we're like, hey, yeah, man, we, yeah, we understand. Yeah. And, you know, and then we can understand each other. And we're just talking by the people walking by from Canada like, where? What, what is that? We need an interpreter <laughs> over here. <laughs> but they, yeah, they were all great guys, great musicians, and, and just the those times is when you're like, man, this is making it. It's just being able to have moments, sure. you know, enjoy all the moments. Right. That to me is, like I said, the alignment. The moment where you realize the now is better than anything. So, so how did you hook up with? With Kim, um, with actually it started out with Nick Patterson and Drew Stallings. Uh, we, me, Nick, and Drew were jamming, looking for a band, and me and Nick met each other through Dirty Farm with uh, Scott Miles and Corbett Richards and uh, and Jackson Martin. We're in, in Dirty Farm, and after that, me and Nick got back together with Drew, and was just kind of jamming and got. Um, Austin, the singer, to come sing with a song. And Austin he, Allen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and Austin, he, he sang with some, but we never really played any shows. We practiced and jammed. It sounded good and had a great time, but um, we just never really did any shows. And then Nick met up with uh, Kevin somewhere and brought him over to his house where we practiced. And we all got together and just started. And from there, we just started, you know. There was a chemistry there. Yeah. Something there. And me and Kevin work great together um, because he's a really good songwriter. And then he had experience playing fiddle with the Upton brothers, but wasn't uh, a front man yet. Right. And he sang really good, but he wasn't a uh, lead singer yet. Right. So he was cutting his teeth, and I was, you know. I played out a bunch, so I already had my, you know, climb, jumping off the walls. Right, oh yeah. Flip, loving live music. Were, 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 you, were you, at this point though, you were still a mandolin player, right? No, I'd, I'd been playing bass again, because I got with Dirty Farm. Okay, so with, that, with Dirty Farm, you played bass? I played bass. Okay. And then, um, then I was playing bass and mandolin with uh, Potter's Clay Project. Okay. Mike McGinnis and, and Justin Harper. And um, uh, who else was in the band? I know I'm gonna miss somebody. Jackson Martin was in the band. And um, golly, Brandon. Oh, 
of the drummer. Oh, yeah, it's been a while. Yes, I, I do know, understand that. Yeah, I uh, do. Trust me, I, uh, I'm terrible with names anyway. So, but uh, all I was playing with those guys, mandolin and bass, switching off. Uh, so when I started playing with Thirty, well, then it was just us. We didn't have a name, and we started playing. And just I knew something was there. This was a little way different than anything else. And I knew. Me and Kevin had a chemistry, and me and Nick's always had one, and Drew, we, we were great. And we just started jamming and playing, and and the phone started ringing more than really Nick and Drew could play at that time. So we had a tough decision to either sit there and keep saying no to everybody right. that calls, and then they won't come back. Right, yeah. Or, you know, uh, Move on. keep keep the train rolling so we made a tough decision because I love those guys and I miss those guys and we still try to keep up when we can the last bit yeah I, it is watch um, we just kept plugging along and me and Kevin work great together because he writes great songs um, and I, I, I help put a little tweak on it you know he's gotten better than what I don't do it as much. Well, from time to time, it just depends on what the song. But he he's great at writing the songs, and I was always good at, at helping arrange them or add little riffs or nuances or right. standing there, you know, yeah. just putting, you know, Kinda helping like him arrange them all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and we work great together like that because you know he's. If I write a song, I have to sit and try to sing it to him. I'm not, you know, the greatest singer to record on an album. So I, if I write something, I have to play it for him and let him sing, right. sing it. And um, just because it's, it sounds way better. Yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, I do understand yeah, that. So, I have to do that. But I think we work good together and we've been friends and haven't, you know, it's hard to find someone that you don't clash mm -hmm. eventually. True. We've been together since 2011 and, you know, even Brothers Five. Way sure more than they we do. do. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, the two of them, I'm sure. Oh uh, yeah. Well, yeah, they've had their moments, but they, yeah, they, they, I think they're way past that now. There's, they're. Right, so we went acoustic for a while, and that's when we um got Chris to start playing. He'd sit in every now and again, but when we went acoustic, we got him to start playing with us, uh, and I'd play the stand up, or I had acoustic bass, or the mandolin, or you know, a rhythm guitar, whatever the song needed, and we'd play that. And, you know, we always knew we had something, the chemistry was there, and if it was meant to be, right. it would fall into place. So that's when we slowly started getting, then we got Josh Allison on drums first, and he heavily, uh, he was, he, for a while, it took, you know, he's like, man, I know this guitar player, I know this guitar player, he's a great singer. And it was Tyler Melton, and finally was like, "We'll bring him over. We'll see. You know, we can't. We don't just bring people in the band. Right. They have to. We you don't want any yeah ego that. trips or anybody like that. And once uh, Tyler come over and played, we got to know him. We was like, man, and we had a great time with him. And uh, then Josh, uh, he had work on the weekends to go to school during the week so we had to find another drummer and that's when um, Jared came along because we had Glenn Miller's by then playing with the song. Oh you'd already he, had him. He, he, I think him and Tyler actually 
their first show together was at Legal Grounds. Okay. And neither one of them knew it was the other one's first show. Oh. They played with us. <laughs> so they, I think uh, then Jared was, uh, might have already been playing with us like uh, for a little while. And Glenn had played with us, you know, he'd sat in right. with us at Plum Hollow at the Barney Barnwell oh, and yeah. uh, Moonshiners um, Festival. So we had played shows with Glenn, but I think that was his first show. So neither one of them said it was their first show to each other. So they're looking at each other for the changes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, we, you know, we had a great time. And, and from then, you know, um, finally after we did that for a while, Tyler um, got done with school, got him a great job, and I needed to spend a little more time right. with yeah, you do that. Yeah, okay, with, with, with his sure with his lady. So um, we, had Tommy had you know told us early on, first time he was playing with Ben Blunt, they haven't and said, "Man, I will tell you what, you guys are exactly what I've always you know been wanting to play with. If you ever have an opening, you have to find me to leave." And we're eating those words now because we <laughs> get rid of him. <laughs> and he made a great addition. It's, it's different. We like to draw everybody's strength. Right. So we're still still finding Tommy's nice. Yeah. Great guitar yeah. player. But we still, you know, he's more of a rocker, so we have to we have throw some more rock songs in there. Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, well, that's a good story, man. Yeah. It's a great story. Well, there's. You know, we, everyone has. What's the what's the what's the future hold? Well, right now we're just we're just writing. I think we're still trying to write the best song we've written. You know, that's you always need yeah. to do that way. The yeah. best song you've written, you haven't written yet. So we're just uh, we've got some. Actually, Wednesday we're getting together and um, Kevin's wrote some new songs. We're going to go over them. Uh, Tighten them up, See what's arrange them a little bit, and get ready to go back in the studio too uh, for too long, and finish up. Hopefully, have another CD new project before the end of the year. That's great. Well, I know you're a busy guy, and I, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come do this. Oh man, there's. Shoot. Thanks for having me. Well, you're I was honored. I couldn't believe it. I'm just a bass player. Yeah. Man. Well, hey. <laughs> I'm a bass player. No, 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 man. No, you have a great story, and I knew that you would, and I do appreciate you doing it. Thank you.
Just a final footnote on Lance. He asked me to make sure he thanked, in his words, his amazing wife, Blake, for supporting him all these years and putting up with his arse. <laughs> he also wanted to make sure to thank his children, Luma, Jude, and Evie Rose. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Big Sound Small Town.